0: pray and jump into this heavenly father i thank you for the anointing i thank you for utterance holy spirit i just ask you to show up here and speak individually what you have for each person today what they need and get them answers to whatever questions they have and meet every need on every area of life and i thank you for it in jesus name amen okay back to basics this is part six but we're starting a whole new sub-series i guess we're going to start talking about worship now, everything builds on what we've talked about with good and evil and those sheets are still back there. I mean, get those sheets, look at them, run everything through that filter and stay on top of that filter of good and evil. We don't, we don't do adversity and affliction and sickness and poverty and lack and calamity and grief and worry. Right. No, nah, we do beauty and bounty and better and sweet and ready. Woo! Poverty. No, we don't do poverty. Wait, somebody tried to slip that in on me. See, watch how fast it will come on you. You know, and, and if you're not staying on top of it, what will happen is you'll start... You'll start pleading your case for adversity or affliction. Because that's just the way we do it around here. I'm, I talked to one of my relatives yesterday, and they were telling me all oh, the stuff that's hereditary that I'm going to get again. And you know what? I didn't even argue with them this time. I just said, Yeah, God bless you. Have a nice day. But I'm not going to argue with them about it. It's not gonna, they already made their choice for adversity and affliction. I'm not going to jump in with them. So guess what? I don't talk to them that much.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Oh, right. Love you. Got a thing. Yeah, cuz they're pleading their case for sickness and then try to get me to come in on it. My family history is different now. I, my family, I'm in the family of God. It don't matter what your, you know, what relatives had and how you know, I'm not in that family anymore. I'm in the family of God. Right? Okay. So before we start on this word, everything that that uh I'm a practical guy. I like nuts and bolts. I don't like, you know, theory, and I don't really care, you know, what the ramifications are, whether the disciples wore boxers or briefs, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, have a big, long seminar on discussing that, and, you know, we can talk about all that when we get to heaven. Right now, I want to know, how do I get the Word to work in my life? How do I get riches, honor, in life? I want to have victory in life, okay? So, when we're talking about worship, people think, well, you know, it's not what you're thinking it is. Of course, around, it would always be different right here. But <laughs> well, whatever you're thinking, it ain't that,
1: okay? So... but. <laughs>
0: glory. Anyway, before we start, go to 1 John 5, because I want to lay a quick foundation before I jump into worship, and this is kind of, you know, added on after I did all the notes, so, but anyway, shocker. 1 John 5 and verse 4, this is the reason that we're going to talk about worship today, because watch this, it's kind of a, it's kind of a flow chart. 1 John and, and, uh, chapter 5 and verse 4 says this, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Say, that's me. Okay. And this is the victory. Now he's going to tell us what's the what's the key to overcoming the world. Here's the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, I grew up in church. We always sang that hymn, faith is the victory. Y'all ever we grew up in church heard that faith is the victory? It is. But where does faith come from? Y'all remember in Romans 10:17? Kind of flip over there. I know this is kind of this is basic, but we're doing basics. So Romans 10:17. So face the victory. So if you want to win in life, we've got to have faith. That's the key to it, right? And Romans 10.17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now there's two, there's two Greek words for the Word of God, right? Do you all remember that? There's the Logos, which is the written Word. And then this Word right here that it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Rhema, which is the spoken Word. It's when the Holy Spirit speaks to you individually. Faith can't come from this. can't come from the written Word. Well, how do you know, Andrew? Because there's a lot of people that can quote this and they don't, they don't have victory. Right? Most of the body of Christ, a lot of they go to seminary, they've got doctors behind their name. They know this, but they don't have any victory because they live in adversity and affliction and calamity and sickness and poverty and lack, suffering for the Lord. So, faith can't come from this. It's got to come from the spoken Word. Now, some people tell me, you know, because I asked them, well, did God tell you this? Did God speak to you? Well, oh, well, I would never say it in that forceful kind of language that God talked to me. What? Well, I would just never presume to say God. You mean God talks to you? Yeah, all the time. So some people are like, well, I would just never say that. That would just, I would be all puffed up. Well, uh, well, here we go. Matthew 11. This is a little side journey. It has nothing to do with nothing other than being forceful. Matthew 11 and verse 12 says this. This is Jesus talking. It's in red. If you have a red letter edition Bible. Jesus is saying, he said, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, say now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now, if you look that up in the Greek, it sounds like, you know, we should get an army together and do, go do the Crusades. Isn't that what it sounds like? And a lot of people, they took that verse that way, but they never really went back and studied what it said in the Greek. Because what it says is, where it says suffers violence, it says it must be seized. In the kingdom of God, if you want victory, if you want all this stuff that God has for you, you've got to seize it. You've got to grab it. You've got to seize it. And, it says that, and then it says the violent shall take it by force. That word violent, it says you need to be an energetic forcer. You have to force the issue energetically. All right, so let's say, have you ever, y'all ever seen in the news where somebody had their uh, uh, property seized because they didn't pay taxes? Those guys show up with guns. You know why? Because nobody wants to give up their property. If you've got to seize it, then you're going to have to be a forcer and energetically enforce the law if you want to seize it. You ever seen on the news where they, they seized an illegal shipment of drugs? There's always like, the customs agents and the DEA and they got their vests on. And Because you, if you want what God has for you, you need to be forceful because you have to seize it. And that last word where it says that, uh, the violent take it by force, it says you have to seize it for yourself. Nobody else can seize it for you. Nobody else can grab a hold of it. And nobody else can get God to talk to you. For you. You've got to say, no, I want it and I'm going after it. So yeah, I use that forceful language. God does talk. If He doesn't talk to you, do you know you can't have faith? If you don't get the spoken word of God, then you cannot have faith. That's why most of the body of Christ, they don't have victory because they don't have faith because they would never say that God talks to me. Well, if He doesn't talk to you, then you can't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't have victory y'all follow that that equation well Andrew what's that got to do with worship we're getting there Galatians 5 these are all verses we've seen before a lot of us can quote them Galatians 5 and verse 6 it says for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision what that means circumcised people were the people that kept their, their, their checklist they did the ten commandments religious people you know, we don't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew or go out with those that do. And then we do the good checklist where we go to church every day and we, or every time the door's open, we pray every day, we read up. And we have to do those two checklists, then God will like us better. Then there's the uncircumcision. Those folks, they don't do none of that. You know what Jesus said? One or the other doesn't really matter to Him. That gets you nowhere. If you do your checklist real good or you don't do any checklist at all, you're on the same playing ground. What's the thing that gets Jesus to move? Yeah, faith, but faith. And then I look at it, it says this. Which works... By love. Now watch it because we all, yeah, faith works by love. If you're not walking in love, your faith can't work. Now, you know what? You can't even have faith if you don't have love. Because watch this. If you, if think of any relationships that you have. Do you talk to people that don't love you or you don't really love? Um, um, do you share intimate secrets with those people? In fact, if somebody doesn't love you, you probably don't talk. If they don't like you at all, they don't really love you, do you talk to them that much? No. So here. And faith all hinges on God talking to you, right? We saw that because it comes from... So if you don't love God, He ain't going to talk to you. Because you don't talk to people that don't love you. No, they're not working on your relationship with you. You don't communicate with them and you certainly don't communicate secrets to them that would you know give them victory in life. If you don't love somebody, you're going to tip them off and tell them, hey, here's a good stock deal. I got a good stock deal. Let me... No. So faith, everything that we do to have victory in life, to win in life, hinges on us having an actual relationship with God. Not only, I'll have a relationship with Jesus. Really? Then you should be living in victory. Because if you had a relationship, that means every relationship that you have hinges on what? Communication? If you don't communicate with somebody, how can you have a relationship with them? Now we're going to find out about worship here. Because all this hinges. So if you want to have pictures, because people are like, well, you worship God because He tells you to. No, He never tells us to worship Him. Did you know that? He tells us not to worship any other gods, but He never tells us to worship Him. Why wouldn't He tell us that? Alright, so watch this. We're, we're, uh, go to the. Uh, yeah, there we go. Now we're back on the slide. Exodus 34. This is our jumping off Scripture for worship. And verse 12. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you go, lest it be a snare for you in the midst of thee. So he's saying be careful who you hook up with. Because if you hook up with religious folks, you end up being religious. If you hook up with ungodly folks that all like to do adversity, affliction, calamity, you'll do that. You see, he's not talking about casual... You know, you know them, you talk to them. you not talking about it. He said, don't hook up with them. I mean, you don't enter a relationship where you, you're close to them and you're trying to strive side by side to walk through life together because whatever they are, you're going to be. You ain't going to turn them. If you surround yourself with folks that are always doing their checklist to make God happy, you'll do your checklist. If you surround yourself with people that don't believe in healing, you won't believe in healing. If you surround yourself with people that believe in poverty and lack and that's holy, then you'll believe that, Right? He said, be careful because you'll snare yourself. He said, but destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves, for thou shalt worship no other god. Don't worship any other god. He said, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. (gasps) I thought jealousy was a sin. Well, it can't be if God's name is Jealous, capital J. Now, what are you talking about, Andrew? Alright, go to the next one. Here's our definition of worship. Here, all worship is is this. The expression of love, gratitude, adoration, and devotion. That's all worship is. Did you know, God, God is jealous. Let's, see, let's take Kimmy and, my, and myself. She's my, my darling wife and I worship her. If I worshipped other women before her, would that be a problem? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all God's saying. He said, I'm your God, you worship anybody else before me, we got a problem, I'm jealous. I mean, Kimmy would be jealous too. And if she worshipped another man before me, how many know I'd be jealous? This is simple, basic, right? But, you know, uh, because we've made the word worship religious, this is all it means is the expression of love, gratitude, adoration, or devotion. Any one of those four things that you express towards somebody, you're worshipping. What's some stuff that we worship? What about, y'all ever been to a concert? Yay! You're worshiping. You're expressing gratitude, love, adoration, devotion, whatever. Right? You ever seen them do this? What's that? That's the I love you. What are you doing? You're expressing love. You're worshiping at whatever concert you're at. Sporting event? You ever cheer for your team? You're worshiping. People go, oh no, I'm not worshiping. Yeah, you are. Don't worry. God God don't care that you worship. In fact, He tells you to worship each other. Just don't worship anybody before Him. What else do we worship? Some people worship TV shows. They're very devoted to them. I can't miss my show. You'll drop everything to see the show. You're worshiping the show. Because you're expressing either love, gratitude, adoration, or devotion to it. What else? <laughs> Sam worships chocolate. Chocolate. Oh, Julia worships (laughs) Chaka. I was telling on Julia. You can worship whatever it is that you're. But see, here's the thing is that worship ain't near as religious as we're trying to make it. We all do worship. Now, why would God not tell us, worship me? He doesn't command it. He says, don't worship other gods before me. But he never says, y'all come here and worship me. I command you to worship me. Right, then you're not expressing love, you're not expressing gratitude, you're doing what you were told. I don't tell my kids, you get over here and you tell me you love me and you hug me and you do stuff for me. And then feel good that my kids love me. All God's asking is that you don't worship anything before Him. Now we're talking about relationship because the key to us having victory is faith. And faith comes from communication with God. And communication with God comes out of love. And if you want to, now think about this. Your spouse, do you know if you worship your spouse, your relationship and your communication will be a whole lot better? The other other day, we were going to um, Kimmy's brother's graduation. It was in the afternoon, and uh, everybody was getting ready, and I was kind of already ready, and I was just looking in the Word, meditating on this. And she said, Will you iron the kids' clothes for me? And my first initial thought was, I'm trying to work in here. What are you, you know, but I'm studying this. (laughs) God, you're so funny. God said, go ahead and let that come out of your mouth. Guess what? You ain't worshiping her. You might go down there and iron those clothes, but if you complain and grumble the whole way down there, you're not expressing love to her. It it ain't worship. And you're just doing it because you think you have to. You just missed an opportunity to worship her and make your relationship better. God, you know. Yeah, baby. I'll go iron the
1: clothes.
0: You know, that helped out. It helped us get out the door sooner. It, it wasn't all fighting or getting out the door. It made our relationship better, and then she could talk to me. Because she would not have been talking to me if I had done all that. Right? It made my life better. Right, so now I got victory. Because I got Rhema from Kimmy. But it, see, that's what the whole thing of worship... See, everything... It really hinges on this. If you want to have faith... You've got to express love towards God and have a relationship, man. We love, we hang out with each other. Look, if somebody doesn't give you the time of day and they don't really care about you, are you going to talk to them? No. Do you know God made you in His image? He's not going to interrupt your day to tell you something if you don't give Him time and express love and devotion and adoration and gratitude? Why would He? You don't do it. Why do you expect God to do something you don't do? Oh, that's a whole other series right there. We better not get into that. Alright, but look over here because I want you to see that God does tell us to worship each other in Romans 12. Because some people are like, oh no, we have to worship God and God only. Alright, well just look at this and let's see, what it, see if, if, if you can see that that's what He's telling us. Romans 12 and verse 9. Now this is a verse that we use for good and evil. It says, let your love be without dissimulation. Don't have fake love. Abhor evil and cleave to that which is good. Now look at the very next verse in verse 10. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Does that not sound like expressing love or gratitude or adoration or devotion to each other? Is that not what He's telling us to do? Kindly affectioned, brotherly love, honor. Are all those the same words that we use when we worship God? We honor God. We prefer God. right? We love God. He's telling us express it to each other. So part of you worshiping God is also worshiping each other. So think about that in every relationship that you have, you have to really you have to worship in order for there to be open lines of communication. And that's all worshiping God is. And like, see, some people think, well, well, let's not get on that yet. Hallelujah. Look at the different ways you can worship. Here you go. How do you express love to somebody? You can either tell them, I love you thank you, I appreciate you, right? And that one's probably the easiest one. You don't have to do too much to back that one up. I mean, if you're just telling somebody, well, talk is cheap. Yeah, love you, baby, mean it. Right, then the next thing you do, it has a little more to it, is you give to them, right? You give them gifts. Send her flowers. That really, that was just a phone call and a credit card number. (laughs) And I took 10 minutes to think of her. Right, And then the last one is you could do for them, like iron the clothes when she's in a jam. That one takes the most work. Okay? But really, anything, any way that you express love or gratitude or adoration or devotion to somebody is one of those three. You can boil it down to the, one of those three categories. Can't you? Now, now here's our religious words for that. See where it says, tell them? No, back up. Tell them? We call that praise and worship. Praise is just telling God, I love you, thank you, you're awesome. See, people thought worship is when we sing those three songs at the beginning. Some people think worship is when you go to the big liturgical, you know, and the guy with the mitre and they're swinging the incense and ah, oh, and Gregorian chants. And... Tell, praise is just you're telling God, I love you. That's our religious term for it, praise. Then the next one we give, given to, we, we call that tithes and offerings. And really, people ain't even because they give that out of, like, you know, we talked about that before, just out of, you know, I have to, I'm paying my ties. Then worship is completely out of that. You're not expressing anything to God if it's an obligation. And you're paying something. See, if I had to pay Kimmy to, to, to be my wife, guess what? There's not really a relationship there, is there? Have you ever seen those mail order bride deals? Really, all the, there's a payoff. You can get citizenship or I'll pay, you you know. And then they'll say this, well, you can grow to love them. Y'all ever heard that? Okay, that, that has no, worship and relationship nowhere in there. God ain't looking for that. He don't need a mail-order bride. Right. Then the last one, do it for him. We call, this in, we call this in religious terms, we call it ministry. Doing for God, doing ministry. Huh? And, and most people, they do that out of obligation, out of their checklist. Don't they? Most people in the body of Christ, that they're working somewhere, they're doing it to punch their ticket with God and make them like them better. If you ain't doing it out of your heart, don't do it. Just like with Kimmy. God says, you, you ain't worshiping her. Why are you going down there ironing them clothes? It didn't help me. In fact, it would have hurt me to go down there grumbling and complaining to ironing them clothes It would have hurt everybody in the house. If I didn't do it as worship, if I was just doing it out of, you know, a have-to necessity, grudgingly. Oh, let's look at that. Look over in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 8. Well, no, it's 9. I'm sorry. Verse 7. Every man or woman, every person, according as he purposes in his heart... See that word, so let him give, is in italics. It's not in the Greek language. You could just cross that out. So everyone is a, according to as a purpose in their heart, not grudgingly or necessity... For God loves a cheerful, and we saw that word as a distributor. God loves a cheerful distributor. If you're going to distribute your praise, if you're going to distribute your money, and you're going to distribute your service, God wants you to do it cheerfully. Otherwise, don't show up and do it. Because you're not worshiping Him. If you do anything you do for God out of obligation, that's not helping your relationship. It's not going to help communication. It's not going to help you get rain on the inside. It's not going to help you get faith, which is not going to help you win in life. So if you're doing a checklist and you're doing it out of obligation, you cannot win in life. You bypass You just cut off the whole thing at the beginning. So the whole point, that's why he never tells us worship him. He wants you to pick do it. He wants you to love him and express love for him out of your own heart. And then he tells you, don't do it out of necessity. Yet the whole church is built on necessity. People manipulating people to do one of these three things. Either tell them that you love them. We don't spend too much time on that because talk is cheap. But we'll manipulate you for your cash and we'll manipulate you for your time and you show up and do work. That doesn't help you. It's not worship, and it's not helping you in your relationship, and it will not help you win in life if you do it because you have to. In fact, God tells you, don't do it if you think you have to. Just like me and ironing the clothes. If I did it because I had to, and grumbling and complaining, it would have hurt the entire household. Alright, well, well, look at it over here. John 3, 16. We can all quote that. Do you know God worships the planet? Remember I told you the covenant is reciprocal. God don't remember. If you want, you want somebody to do to you, you do unto them, right? Same thing with God. If God wants you to obey Him, He'll obey you. If God wants you to worship Him, He'll what? Worship you. God worships me. I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, He does worship you. He expresses His love, devotion, adoration, and gratitude towards you all the time. And it says that He does that for people that ain't even born, people that didn't accept Him. So next time you're mad at whoever, remember that. God worshipped that person too. Oh, no, Andrew, all right, look at John 3.16. You all could probably quote it, can't you? For God so loved the world, watch how how did He express it. He gave, isn't that one of the expressions? His only begotten Son. Not only did He give Him something, He gave Him the most precious thing He had. He's worshipping the world. And all He's asking for you to do is worship Him back. He didn't ask you to worship him until he worshiped you. We all sang that song in Sunday school, right? Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Well, how do you know he loved you? Because he expressed it. Well, what's the expression of love? <gasps> worship. All right, so go to the next one, Julian. This is Romans 8 28. Remember, we saw this last couple of weeks. And for we know that all things work together for good, beauty, bounty, better, happy welfare. Remember that? At ease, sweet, ready, health and prosperity. For them that love God, make Him your favorite. And to them that are called according to the per, uh, His purpose or daily covering His purpose. We spent a couple of weeks on covering His purpose. We spent a little time about making God your favorite. If God really is your favorite, you will worship Him. You will express your love and your gratitude, your devotion, and your adoration for Him. And you... It'll be automatic. I don't have to drum up worshiping my wife. I, I do appreciate everything she does. When she cooks dinner, thank you baby, that was a great dinner. You know how I express worship? I express love? I clean the dishes. Telling her it's a great dinner, that's nice. You back it up by actually doing something. Really, we could put all three of those things down to this. You give. Because you're either giving your time, you're giving your effort, you're given your substance, or you're given nice words, and that's what Jesus did. When, or that's what God did when He gave us Jesus. He worshipped us, and all He says, "Don't worship other gods. Don't worship anybody before Me. I'm jealous." Well, you would be too. We, we all, the people that we really love and we put the most worship into, we'd like to get something back, wouldn't we? Don't you like it when they worship you back? I love it when my wife worships me back. Makes me want to worship her more. And now we have a who can I'll give who contest. Right. All right, so uh, go to uh, John 4. I think that's up here. So the whole thing, and, and, and all, all right, watch this. Hallelujah to Jesus. This is Jesus. He's walking through Samaria. Do,
1: do, 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 do.
0: Remember, meets the woman at the well? The Samaritan woman? Well, watch, here's the story. John chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there in Samaria. And Jesus, therefore, being wearied in his journey, man, it's a long walk, he sat down on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. That's noon. Lunchtime. We've been walking all morning, boys, and I'm hungry. And there came a certain woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said, Give me to drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to make a Burger King run. The, the, it, that's the King James says they buy meat. He, they were going to get, you know, burgers, Subway, whatever. Went down to Whole Foods and got that focaccia bread. You know, because Jesus was watching his carb intake, right? And uh, so he tells this Samaritan woman, Hey, give me something to drink. And the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that you being a Jew asked me to drink, which am a woman of Samaria? Now what we got here is a racial divide, okay? Jews didn't like Samaritans. Because all Samaritans were, Samaritans were the part of Israel that were uh, when, when they went into captivity, the Syrians came over, they intermixed and they intermarried with the Syrians and they kind of left there doing their checklist, you know, the Jewish checklist. So they looked down on that. So we got two factions of kind of, you know, people that worship God. They, they still believed in God, but they just, you know, well, you don't believe as good as we do. You know anything like that in the body of Christ today? Yeah, okay, it's still going on. We don't want to name any names, but you can just, you know, think of, you know, people that think they're better than you because you go to a non-denominational church. Well, what's your affiliation? We're Samaritans. Now Samaritans has a good, oh, the good Samaritan, now it sounds good, now holy, you know, back then that wasn't that, no, they would look down on that. So she said, how can you even be talking to me? You guys hate us so much, I can't believe you're talking to me. For what? The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you, give me drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He said, if you had any idea who you're talking to, you would have asked me for something. And the woman said unto her, sir, you got nothing to draw with. you sitting there on a the well, you ain't got a bucket, and the well is deep. You ain't just going to you know, put your hand in and splash in and get some water. From whence then hast thou that living water? Oh, you got living water? you got nothing to draw out with that well's deep. Oh, how do you have some living water then? Getting sassy with Jesus. First off, she's shocked because, you know, Jews think they're better than us. So she already got a chip on her shoulder. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I'll give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now she don't understand what what he's talking about. All she's saying is, yeah, give me some of that water so I don't have to come down to this well and draw water for that pagan pig husband of mine. Because that was women's work. Girl. <laughs> Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, You have said well you have no husband. For you have five husbands and the one you're shacking up with now, honey, ain't your husband. And the woman said, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> Or at least least Miss Clea. (laughs) Done read my mail. Ha. Well, that'll get your attention, won't it? Oops. And then she says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you, the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place that men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto a Woman, believe me, the hour cometh When you shall neither worship in this mountain, or neither in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship, ye know not what. You don't know what you're doing when you're worshiping. You know, most of the body of Christ, that describes them. They have no idea. When they say they're going to worship, they ain't got a clue what they're doing. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and is now. When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now what was Jesus' purpose? Remember we saw this last week. What was His purpose? To seek what? Lost folks. Remember that? And bring them in. The Father's not seeking lost folks. What's the Father seeking? Somebody to express love and devotion and adoration and gratitude toward. Him. That's His purpose. That's what He's seeking. So here's true worship. Go to the next one for me, Julian. It's the expression of profound, which is from the depths of your being, it says in the dictionary, love and gratitude, adoration and devotion. Talking about true worship now, it's profound. It's out of the depths of your being. Look at the next verse in John. It said, God, this is Jesus talking, God is a spirit, and they that worship, they that express love to Him, gratitude, adoration, and devotion to Him must worship, they must express to Him this in spirit and in truth. Alright, so that sounds a little hokey. Let's make it practical. Alright? 1 Thessalonians 5. It's the first thing we've got to understand about us. Is this, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. says, In the very God of peace sanctify you holy. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. This is basic. We all know the body. That's this thing out here. It's our earth suit. Our soul is made up of our mind, our intellect, and our emotions. And our spirit is that part that's on the inside of us that's our true man that's alive unto God. So, alright, so this tells me right here, if you have to worship God in spirit, do you know if you haven't accepted Jesus, you don't have a spirit. Your spirit's dead. You are only soul and body. That's that big hole that everybody has that has never accepted Jesus. Impossible for you to be a true worshiper. If you... if you're not born again, you cannot express truly love, devotion, adoration, and gratitude to God. So you've got to be born again. Born of the Spirit, which means your spirit is alive. Then the next thing is, is once you, do, you make that cut, you do have your spirit is alive. And this is where most people in the body of Christ miss it. They either worship out of their body, or their mind, or their emotions. They don't really worship out of their spirit. Alright, so let's look at that in Galatians 5. Now, I'll reference the conscience series and I'll reference it again. If you've got any questions on this, we go over this in great detail for nine weeks of what the difference between what your spirit is, your soul, and your body. But Galatians 5 and verse 16 says this, This I say then, walk in the spirit... Now. I don't have time to get into. it. We'll just leave it at that. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust or the voice of the flesh. The flesh screams out or lusts against the Spirit. The flesh will scream against your spirit, and your spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would do. So here's the thing that sets you up. Your spirit will automatically want to do something different than your body will. Your body always want to do one thing like sleep in, and your spirit will tell you, get up, we've got to go to work. Okay. A lot of people will worship out of their body, and that means they just do it when they feel like it. Oh boy, I didn't mean, like that. If you only express love and listen, when Kimmy asked me to go iron the clothes, I mean, no, my body did not feel like it. The first thing it screamed out was, "Well, I can't believe I'm trying to do God's work here. I'm meditating on it." Yeah. Yeah, I'm always doing it. Right. My body. If I only worship her when I feel like it, how do know it's going to be a rough marriage and most people it won't end up really happy. It'll be a miserable existence and probably end up in divorce if you only do it when you feel like it. That's your body. If you're dominated by your body, when you worship God, you only worship when you feel like it, it's going to be hard to get Rhema. You hear me? Because when you feel like hearing from God when you're in the jam, now I feel like it, Guess what? It ain't just going to fall on you out of the sky after three minutes or even after an hour. We're talking relationship and communication. So when you worship God, you can't do it out of your body. Not just when you feel like it. Alright? So when you don't feel like giving God your attention, that's when your spirit rises up and says, Nah, well, we're going to give double the attention now. See, when my body wants to eat Oreo, I say, well, we ain't eating Oreos. Well, we just want Oreos. Well, if you don't shut up, we're going to go run ten miles. Okay, I don't want the Oreo. I didn't think so. Because you know how you feel after that. Yeah, the Oreo is not worth it, Andrew. Yeah, that's what I thought. Same thing with worship. Okay. Glory. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians 2. We've seen all these scriptures before. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 12. It says this, "...now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words of men's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him." And he cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned. So if you don't have the spirit of God on the inside of you, you'll think that this is people that worship God are nuts. Well, why would you do that? Well, you don't know them. See, people, if they didn't know my wife, they'd think I was nuts to be all uh, doing everything that I do for her. Be gog over, stayed on the phone. Remember, I told you that one time I was in Okinawa and she was. In Virginia. I'd be, hey, baby. Hey, three bucks a minute. Hey, hey. What you doing? Nothing. Love you. Love you. Seven hundred and fifty dollars later. Andrew, you're nuts. Yeah, that's because you don't know Kimmy like I know Kimmy. Same thing with God. People think you're nuts. Well, what are you doing that for God? Because you don't know God like I know God. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and think I'm nuts. It's foolishness to you, but I'm expressing my love, my gratitude, and my devotion. Same thing people that don't have kids. They don't understand that when you have kids, how nuts you'll be over them. Changing messy diapers, not a problem. Why? Because I'm devoted to my kid. You'll do, mamas and daddies will do all kinds of stuff they would never do for anybody else than they do for their kids. Why? And everyone else will think you're foolish for doing it. Wow, I can't, why do they? It ain't none of the, you don't know him like I know him. You don't know her like I know her. It might be foolishness to you, it's because you don't know him like I do. It's my kid. Same thing with God. You don't know him like I know him. He's my daddy. He can, He's available to be your daddy. But until you make him that, you'll think I'm nuts for worshiping God. All right, so look down in chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, because how do we got to worship God? Out of what? Our spirit. But as unto carnal, even babes in Christ, I fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither are you now able to bear it. For yet... You are carnal, whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? So look, now we're talking about you can't worship God out of your emotions. Because envying and strife and divisions is all what? Emotional. It's not intellectual. It's emotional. You have envying and strife and divisions because you feel like somebody did something wrong to you or you feel like they're getting ahead of you. You You can't worship God out of your emotions. There's whole churches, denominations that have created themselves on worshiping God out of their emotions. That's why every week they've got to get born again, 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 again. Because I don't feel like I'm saved. I don't feel like God loves me this week. I feel like I'm guilty that I didn't do the checklist. I feel, 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 feel. You can't worship God out of your emotions. It's not true worship. Same thing with your body. You don't feel like it. You don't, no, we don't do that. Whether we feel high or we feel low. See, what gets you excited ought to not be what you feel like. Good news shouldn't make you really up here, and bad news shouldn't make you down here. What makes you excited is, I love God. I'm devoted to Him, man. I appreciate Him. I'm excited to have a relationship, and we got communication. I'm excited when God talks to me. When I hear Rhema, that excites me. More than anything else on the planet, that excites me. When I know that God has clearly spoken to me, I'm like, ah, all right. God loves me. Did you see that? He talked to me. Created the universe. Took time to tell me something. That excites me. Well, what about our mind? Go back over to Romans 8. We're just there. It's not an intellectual exercise. Can't be. Well, hold your finger right there and look at this scripture over in 1 Corinthians. I know you were just there, but... 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 17. This will help you out a little bit. It said, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Okay, so I was going to go into a whole big thing about, you know, in the Bible it says sometimes there's a big ass means the spirit of God and a little ass And really it doesn't really matter because you know what? If you're joined to the Lord, you get born again, you're one spirit with the Lord. Nobody can really tell where God's spirit and your spirit starts and God's spirit ends. You're one spirit with the Lord. Because you've got the life of God on the inside of you. I can't. Nobody can really tell where God's spirit stops and yours starts. Once you're mixed, you're mixed together. You have His DNA on the inside of you. And he says, you're joined to the Lord, you're one spirit. You've got the life of God on the inside of you, just like Jesus had the life of God on the inside of Him. There's no difference. Now it's getting easier to worship. That's why He says you've got to worship out of your spirit. That's the part of you that's alive unto God. That's a part of you that really can express agape love, the God kind of love. That's the part of you that can actually express appreciation and gratitude and devotion to God. Because that's the part of you. When that part of you dominates the rest of you, then you can be devoted to a single purpose, whatever God's agenda is. And now you really are worshiping because it all comes down to giving. And you give up whatever else it is and you go after Him. That's part of making God your favorite. That's worship. Alright, so go back to Romans 8. It's not an intellectual exercise. It says in verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's the natural. Whatever in the natural world is. That's where your mind is. You're going to go after those things. But they that are after the Spirit of the things of the Spirit, to be carnally minded or naturally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Why? Because the carnal mind or the natural mind is enmity against God and is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Talking about your mind. Being spiritually minded or naturally minded, you can't please God if you're thinking naturally. You cannot worship God if you're telling, I don't really, you know what, I don't care. You know, if some people, well, my credit score, I can't get. A, that's how man does it. You're thinking naturally. You cannot worship God if you're thinking, well, I don't have a college degree because you know, yeah, you I have a degree to really get hired by this company. No, that's natural thinking. You can't be worshiping God. There's again a ton of denominations that have geared their entire belief system towards it's an intellectual exercise with God. That all of this in here is just an intellectual exercise. There's no spirit in it. You can't worship God out of your mind, out of your intellect. It just can't happen. It's not true worship. So if it's in your mind or your emotions of your body, it's really and it's really checklists that you're doing. You're trying to avoid the bad checklist or you're doing the good checklist and you think you're punching your ticket with God, but you ain't really truly worshiping Him. It says you've got to worship Him out of spirit. And what was the other one? In truth. Let's look at truth. I think I have that slide up there, Julie. Yeah. Here's what truth is. Well, ah, hallelujah. John 17:17. 17, 17. This is Jesus talking. He said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Do you all know what sanctify is? It means set apart. Now, when I was a kid, check this out. This will, this will help you with set apart. When I was a kid, we had this like, auction at the end of the year in school, and we saved up all of our points. You know, Kids get like, turtle cards. We had reward points. And I bought a box of baseball cards. There was like 5,000 cards in the box. Woo, that was awesome. I went through the thing. Now, how many know there are a lot of duplicates in there? There's a lot of worthless cards. But if I had come across, I didn't. But if I did, I was looking for it. If I had come across, like, say, Babe Ruth's rookie card, do you think I would have just thrown that back into 5,000? What would I have done with that? Set it apart. I would have put it in a case. That's all. Got that's what Jesus is saying right now. Father, through your truth, set them apart like that Babe Ruth rookie card. Take them out of the pack of 5,000 and put them in this case and make them precious over here. Set them apart because this is valuable. It ain't like all this over here in this box of 5,000. This is special. How do you do that? Through what? The truth. And then he tells us what the truth is. Thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. He wants you to be separate, precious, apart from all that. And then you get that way by just doing the truth. When you do the truth, you're worshiping God. True worship. So what's the truth? Let's some truth. Well, um, if you uh, choose evil but refuse good, are you doing the truth? No. You know what you just did? You took yourself out of the pretty little case that was up there on the mantle, and you jumped right back into the box of five thousand. He said, "Nah, I don't like being set apart. I don't like being—you know—I don't like you put me on a pedestal, God, and jump right back into the uh, all the other garbage, you know, the cards that ain't worth nothing." See, when he asks you to worship him, it's even bonus for you because he's putting you up here in a position of you're valuable and precious to him, not down here with all the riff that's cool. So you see the payoff for worship? It ain't just, oh, I've got to come and worship God. This is where I worship. It ain't drudgery. Man, when you worship God, He puts you over here on this pedestal. Puts you in a nice little case and shows you off to everybody. See my Babe Ruth rookie card? Come here, look at this. He He got all of us lined up on His mantle. All of us that worship Him in, in spirit and in truth, we're up on His mantle. Look at this. Not down here with the riffraff. He pulls you out of that there's a huge payoff for of your own free will expressing love and gratitude and devotion yeah. and adoration for God. Wow. It, and he don't want you you know what? He'd rather you just sleep home in bed and just forget about him than come here out of some obligation mm-hmm. or do anything for him out of obligation. If you've got to do it. Big deal. That's why he never makes you. He never tells you you have to. Like he tells you, unless you want to, don't. It's all opportunity. What about uh, healing? If you, is, is, by Jesus stripes you've already been healed, you were healed. It already belong, That's truth, right? Because it's in His Word. So if you doubt healing, you're jumping right back into the riffraff. He's pulled you out of it, set you up on a pedestal where everything's really good, and then you jump right back out of it because you don't believe Him. And really, what's that? Come, worship really comes down to this. You just believe Him that He's good. You just believe... Oh, wait a minute. Believing is really the same word as faith. And wait, faith comes from the spoken Word of God. And the spoken Word of God comes from having a relationship. But do you see how it's all just a circle? And then you can start and jump into the circle... At any time, by just worshiping God. At any time you want to to have victory in life, you jump into the circle and it starts with, I can start having a relationship and worship you, God. Then when you start worshiping God, then you get Rhema. Rhema brings faith. Faith comes around and brings victory. And then when you start getting victory, then you appreciate God even more. So then you worship more. And as you worship more, He tells you more. And as He tells you more, you get more faith. And as you get more faith, you get more victory. Do you see how this just keeps going? So what's the whole point? Is you jump into that cycle at worship, That's the only place in that cycle you can jump in. You can't start with victory, can you? You might want to, but that's a byproduct of worship. The only place you can jump in is say, man, God, I really love you. What can I do to express that to you? Tell you how how awesome you are. Tell you how much you mean to me. What can I do to show you that? What can I give to you? Because I love you. It's a whole lot easier to hear from somebody when you have a relationship, when you worship them. There's somebody you don't get along with. You ain't worshiping them. They rub you the wrong way. You know what I'm talking about? That person. You want to see how fast that relationship changes? You start worshiping them. Tell them how much I love you. Show them something. Do something nice for them. It'll blow their mind. What? See, with God, it's always the exact opposite of what... That's the natural man's thinking. They're trying to stick it to you. Well, shaft them. Cut against the grain of that. Go worship them a little bit. See what happens. What if somebody worshipped you that didn't like you? Somebody just come up and blessed you. Kind of hard not to like them now. I don't like that guy, but man, he just gave me
1: $100,000.
0: Well, can't say nothing bad about him now. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, it's hard. If somebody's worshiping you, it's hard to get mad at them. Yeah, same thing with God. If you're worshiping Him, it'd be hard for Him to get mad at you. That's good. Start doing good stuff for God, start blessing God. Start giving to it. Start telling them out of your own mouth. Just walk well, I love you, Father. What can I do to show you? I'm going to give. Oh, I'm going to go do something for you. You tell them, hey, watch and see what happens. How much rain will you start getting? Wow. He's like, hey, that guy kind of likes me. I never thought he really cared about me, but look at all the stuff. He's worshiping me. We should get to know him better. Jump into that circle. See what happens. Nothing but good. Nothing but good. And pretty soon, He will be your favorite. It'll just be automatic. Because once you start doing that cycle, more victory and more... Fame, more man, you can't... Man, it's like a drug. To, you don't ever want to get out of that circle. I don't ever want to get out of where God's not... If, I, if God ain't talking to me, you know what I got? Zip, zero, nothing. And I'm not getting back into that box with all the other riffraff. I like it up here on my spot on the mantle. And it all starts with you worshiping. Now... We're going to take some time. I don't know how, how many weeks we're going to do it, but I'm going to, I want to teach us about what praise is, what really praise is. Teach about what giving, worshiping the Lord with our giving is. We say that at the end of service. It ain't just taking up at all. It's not paying tithes. When you worship the Lord with your giving, we're going to talk about that. Same thing with what we call ministry, service. Man, it ain't a drudgery. It ain't some check. If, if it is, then don't do it. But if you want to worship the Lord with doing stuff for Him, there's a way to do it and an attitude how to do it and God lays it out for us, the way to do it so it's not a drudgery. We're going to learn about that stuff. Because when we start doing it, because I'm going to teach us how to worship. Because when we, when we do know how to worship, then we can get, start getting raiment and get faith and get victory. And this is basic stuff. This isn't really hard. Is, did it, was it hard today? No. It's pretty easy. But it all builds on it and it builds on the next thing and it builds on the next thing. And I'll tell you what, God is so good, once you start to worship Him, you won't want to stop. Because now it's an out-give-who out contest. Who can out-worship who? The more you worship God, the more He'll worship you. What a fan club. Yeah, God's the president of my fan club. Thanks. You know Him? He's the president of my fan club. I get fan letters from Him. It's called Rhema. God's stalking me. I'd get a restraining order, but it only works out for good, so no point in that. He's devoted to me. He adores me. Why? Because I adore Him. I'm devoted to Him. And this will help you in whatever relationships you've got in everyday life. It isn't just with God, because He tells us worship each other. Boy, it will help us be fitly joined when we start worshiping each other. Help you at work. Help you at school. Help you with the kids and your wife. Right? Help you with your in law. Whatever, whatever relationships you've got, you start injecting a little worship into there, pfft, they won't even know how to take you. They won't. And then once you get on that cycle where you worship and then they worship you back, and right, your relationships can only get better. You know that's part of the covenant. We've talked about having good relationships for a long time but I've never really taught on it. This is really the basis for it is when you start worshiping each other. And worship a God. Man, this is good. This will help you in every area of your life. Because when relationships are good, everything will be easier for you. That's how you operate in favor. Because people like you. Ah, I like them. Why? I don't know. They, they worship me. They won't even know. I mean, they won't say that in their head. They're just, they were nice to me. They did nice stuff. They appreciate me. What? And then think about it. God got that going from heaven. You worship Him, then He worships you. Just hang on to think about that this week. He has sanctified, he set me apart from all the riffraff. And put me up on the pedestal. Because you're his favorite. You're the apple of his eye. Well, how can I be your favorite and you be his favorite too? Because he's the God that's more than enough. He's got plenty. Plenty of room in his heart for favorites. And it's available to everybody. Everybody could be his favorite. The people that are his favorite are the people that make him their favorite. Worshiping. Expressing your love. Your gratitude. Your devotion and your adoration. Even when you don't feel like it. Because your spirit will always feel like it. The part of you that's alive unto God, it will always want to worship God. Because that's the part that's getting ramen. That's the part that's talking to God. And God's talking to that part of your body. Or your, your being. Not your body and not your mind your mind. You're talking to your spirit. Your spirit will always vote for God. The trick is getting your mind and your body on board. And I've said this before. It's easier to get your body to line up than your mind and your emotions. That one takes more work. In fact, the Bible says you've got to retrain your mind. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to totally recreate that, how that thing is wired. He says you put your body under and get, put that under subjection right away. Start making it line up. Make your mouth line up with what your spirit's saying and then your mind will come along later. There you go. Your mind wants to say something like, I can't believe she asked me to iron them clothes. Hey, You better get your body up out of that bed and start walking down the hallway and go, yes, dear. I love you, baby. But I mean, it was, it was just a clear example to man I was like, you know what? You're right, God. I'm not worshiping her if I'm complaining and grumbling about it. Do so y'all remember my little issue with ironing the clothes. This week, it'll help you. All right? Y'all stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. We do worship You. We love You. We appreciate You. We adore You and we are devoted to You. We thank You, Father. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us this week and just help us and bring, us, bring to remembrance all these things. Put it on the forefront of our mind. Forefront of our hearts. Our bodies and our emotions. That would line up our entire being to be devoted to you and to expressing our love and our gratitude to you for how great and awesome you are. And I thank you for pulling us out of the riff raff and setting us up on high. Thank you for making us your favorite. Thank you, Father, for how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen.